Today, we are discussing critical acclaim. Does what a critic in Poughkeepsie, does what that critic say, does that matter? Is that going to change the way you view a comic book? Or or is it the entertainment value that it provides you? We're, we're going to get into this today, and, and I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be much of a secret where I fall in all this, okay? Does that critical acclaim uh, matter? What does it mean at, at, at the sales level? What does it mean to the box office? We're going to get into it. More importantly, we're going to talk about comic stores. It's that time of the year. We need to appreciate our local comic book retailer who supplies us with so many fantastic escapes. Stuff that just fills us up, just gives us so much entertainment and and pleasure and and, uh, how important comic book retailers are in our lives. We're going to discuss the priority that they need to be taking right now this holiday season. And we are going to celebrate all of this as we wind down the year on our very last show of 2022 on an all new Observations. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. I take you on this crazy journey that covers pop culture and its romance, its uh, obsession now with superheroes and comic books, the same superheroes and comic books that I grew up on. We are approaching the end of 2022, and and I thought there was a couple fun topics we could cover uh, in, in regards to this past year and the, the the state of everything that's going on in, in comic books and pop culture. First, first thing that comes to mind is a quote in an interview that I was reading with one Adam Sandler who gave an interview last week that covered a lot of ground and one of the most interesting things and I know it's not the first time that he has uh that he has expressed his disdain for the the, the critical uh, analysis of his work or perhaps the 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 lack of critical acclaim that he that he receives but he said that he stopped he stopped reading his his uh reviews early on early early like like literally so early on in his uh in his career because they were so he felt personal he felt they were so uh just cruel mean uh not not constructive and he said he just had to walk away he stopped he stopped reading reviews and because they were just so hypercritical and really made him feel bad and, and 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 here's the deal. You got you got a guy like an Adam Sandler. He shows up. He's got financing for a movie. That movie's going to pay. Uh, you know everyone on the crew. Which there's sound people. There's catering people. There's lighting people. Obviously, you've got your your fellow actors. You you've you've got. I mean, literally script supervisors. I mean, there are so many people who are uh, makeup makeup artists, costume people. I mean, you, you go down the list. They're there. He uh, he just said early on, it, it just became somewhere between Happy Madison and uh, uh, Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. He said he had to he had to walk away from it. And you know when you when you show up to work and you're trying to navigate this entertainment minefield, and that's what it is because you're you've got a set amount of money to spend on your production, and then you're going to put it out. And the thing is, his products were doing extremely well. In fact, in fact, they, they, they kept doing extremely well. And by 1999, so you got, you got Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. This is 95. This is 96. Then he's got Wedding Singer, 98. His kind of first breakthrough, it went to the next level. But then, then just, Literally, he takes off in a rocket ship. Yes, Adam Sandler. The same Adam Sandler that I encountered on a show called Remote Control. Remote Control was a game show uh, that, that, that was on MTV before Saturday Night Live. This is where I encountered a comedian named Adam Sandler. He would be brought on the game show to do side bits on Remote Control. It was literally a pop culture music game show on MTV every afternoon. And... 
Adam Sandler was kind of a bit player, part of the ensemble of the game show. Some of you who are of my age remember this. You never uh, missed it. I think there was a uh, that th- they had a hostess named Kari Wurr. She was cute. She was kind of the 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 game show girl for the M- MTV generation. And uh, you know, Adam would come on. He'd do weird voices. He'd 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 imitate a song. He'd whatever. It was funny guy. You're like, who's this guy? Sandler. He's funny. And he just had no real uh, pretense about him. But then he goes, you know, he gets on Saturday Night Live and then he starts, that's in like 1990, 1989 that I encounter Sandler. Then he obviously goes on his 90s run in Saturday Night Live and he starts doing these movies. And you're like, Life, I didn't turn into observations to hear about Adam Sandler. Yes, you did. Okay. (laughs) Let me tell you right now. Yes, you did. So, So The Water Boy in 1999 takes off huge hit takes him to even another stratosphere and then there's no looking back because right after that he does big daddy big daddy comes out big daddy giant sorry water boy is 98 big daddy is 1999 he's now in the 100 million stratosphere and 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 other other than one bump in the road it then goes mr deeds it goes anger management it goes uh, 50 First Dates, Spanglish, The Longest Yard, Click. You don't mess with the Zohan, okay? You know who went to see You Don't Mess with the Zohan with me on, on opening day was Marat Michaels, fellow comic book artist. Uh, you, you got Bedtime Stories. You got Grown Ups. You got the, the Zookeeper. You got Jack and Jill, okay? Jack and Jill is, is right about where this decade uh, of, of an unprecedented success is going to is going to start to pump the brakes. Grown Ups 2 is like the last real like explosion in regards to uh, to Adam Sandler's box office dominance. And yes, when I say dominance, each of these movies that I'm ta- talking to you about either opened at number one or made $100 million or more for comedies. Again, when, when, when other studios were bankrolling giant CGI action adventure uh, movies, Adam Sandler was showing up with a very constrained... Uh, comedy budget and he was making movies that made hundreds of millions of dollars each of those movies i just told you click time travel kate beckinsdale you know the great thing was watching adam sandler get whatever uh you, you want to call it at the time the it girl the 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 actress uh, i mean some of them i mean again you got kate beckinsdale he Kate Beckinsdale signs on, plays his wife. You know why? The agents are all at the time going, no, 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 you need to be in this Adam Sandler film. It's going to make so much money. It's going to give you such a big profile. You know, you've got to be in the Adam Sandler movie. And Kate Beckinsdale says, are you serious? And they say, yes, Kate, it's going to do huge. It's going to do, you know, big for your career. I mean, uh, Courtney Cox is in, uh, you know, uh, The Longest Yard. You've got... uh, Let's see, if memory serves, uh, his his co-star, his uh, co-star, okay, Marissa Tomei is his co-star in Anger Management. Uh, he, he is just, uh, you, you've got, come on, before Stranger Things, uh, Winona Ryder is the female love interest in, in Mr. Deeds. Again, you got obviously Drew Barrymore in two of these movies. Adam Sandler was just crushing it i mean <laughs> in little nikki which is the giant misfire which which actually cost my friend a job as an executive because they're like wait everyone else has a hot adam sandler movie and you gave us the one where he appears as the son of satan and and talks like this hey i mean that, that that movie i okay i was in the aisle rolling saw it opening night will ferrell boobs on his head I mean, come on, go see the movie. The, the 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 devil puts boobs on his head. They're they're the sons of the devil. And uh, I mean, you got uh, Patricia Arquette, and and then you got Reese Witherspoon in Little Nicky. Okay, so so Adam Sandler was just uh, pulling everybody in. He was pulling everybody into his to his unique stratosphere. You've got uh, remember uh, Je- uh, Jessica Biel. Jessica freaking Beale uh, shows up for I, I pronounce you uh, I now pronounce you is it Chuck and Larry I mean I I, I just again so so there that underscores um, Mr Sandler was attracting all sorts of uh, box office people were tripping over themselves to be with him in these movies 
because of how uh, ridiculously successful that that they were. And then, I mean, in 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 Grown Ups, obviously, you 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 had he was he 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 was surrounded by all sorts of talent. But Selma Hayek is is his wife. I mean, Adam Sandler is is pulling it in. These movies are making hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of a decade. Over the, I mean, literally, he had like eleven or twelve year run and. As I said with Marat Michaels, and, and you don't mess with the Zohan. These movies came out in maybe the first week of June every single summer for like six or seven summers. He then started bumping into the Christmas, uh, you know, stratosphere with like bedtime stories. But without fail, he had a movie. They were comedies. They were relatively cheap to shoot, probably short shoots, exactly what the studio loved. I think almost all of them were with Sony, so Sony just loved him. But Let's get to critical acclaim. Is there a single one of those movies that is critically acclaimed? You go, oh, Liefeld, you, you left out Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, that was that was a drama. That that is that is Adam Sandler in in a in in someone else's movie. That's Adam Sandler, you know, in a PTA movie, uh, uh, not in an Adam Sandler movie. And and so I don't hold it to the same level of expectations. Good for him. He was stretching. Maybe that's where his critical nods come. But I remember that it was also mixed because people didn't have a great reaction to him. You know, uh, by the time Adam showed up uh, a couple of years back, right before the uh, the pandemic and and blew everybody away. Come on, because he blew everybody away in Uncut Gems. The Safdie brothers, amazing. You know, they didn't give many nods. He didn't give us get a single nod, but I think he expected it. Now, what does this have to do with comic books? Adam Sandler made his movies for me and you and the people who liked them and went to them and needed a just ridiculous laugh, whether it was the absurdity of grownups, the way over the top absurdity of uh, don't mess with the Zohan, the, um, you know, over the top time travel mechanism. I mean, Christopher Walken is in freaking click with Kate Beckinsdale. I mean, Jack Nicholson, I, I guess I skipped the lead. You know, Jack Nicholson is across from Adam Sandler in a big giant summer comedy. He just made movies that made people forget about two hours and giggle and laugh and entertain us. In the comic book world, it occurred to me that not one of my image brethren and I, upon the 30th anniversary of our of Image Comics, do, do you think that Spawn was critically acclaimed? No, it was lambasted. Youngblood, lambasted. Wildcats, lambasted. Uh, Cyberforce, same. Shadowhawk, Savage Dragon, none of these guys, none of us, not a single one met with anything remotely resembling critical claim. And did it bother you? Did you care? Did you even care? Did it get you late? You know, did the lack of critical acclaim get you to the comic store later? Did you, did you, did you, did you wait an extra day or did you show up and you buy those books as they were being put on the shelf? faster than your retailer could could you know rack them you know the answer to that you absolutely know the answer to that critical critical acclaim jeez swallow that swallow that word critical acclaim critical acclaim uh was not something that i was aware of when i was buying all the books that i loved as a kid whether it was the fantastic four the x-men daredevil the work of john byrne frank miller george perez there was, there was nothing for me to read that was acclaimed. I didn't have access to comic book stores. I didn't have access to uh, fanzines or any, any review, whatever. And it wouldn't have mattered. I, I love those books because they entertained me. They're, they fulfilled their commitment to the comic book, which was to entertain me, to have action, to have adventure, to have compelling you know, drama, to have twists and turns and mysteries and secrets. They took me on the ride. They took me on the ride and I never looked back. Each and every comic, I never, I've never, ever, as a matter of fact, if it, if it, if I hear that it's critically acclaimed, I'm like, eh, probably not going to like it. <laughs> Big secret, right? If I hear that it's critically acclaimed, I'm probably not going to like it. I mean, you know, it, it goes the same for movies and TV because let, let's pivot away from Adam Sandler. What's been the number one show on television? Because it's not a streaming show until you go and look at the, past episodes the paramount network is a cable channel much like showtime is a cable channel and stars is a cable channel everyone has their apps and everybody has their streaming platform uh that spins out of their channels now i mean obviously i grew up watching hbo and watching the sopranos 
watching Sex in the City, watching, you know, uh, Six Feet Under. I, I, I watched everything. HBO had amazing, amazing quality. But then they pivoted in the streaming age to HBO Max. That's, 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 that's about four years ago. It's about four years old that that occurred because they had to get on the streaming wars. But I grew up with HBO, just the channel. Paramount Network is a channel. It's a channel and, and, and they show the number one show on television. Yes, the number one show on te- by, by multiple millions. But I want to say anywhere between three and four million a week, more people. And then I think when the, um, the DVR, like uh, seven days later numbers come up, it gets close to 18, 20 million. But, but Yellowstone is, is doing 16, 17 million every single week. Now, again, we are far, we are, we are way far away from, from the days of 40 million people watching Friends and Seinfeld on Thursday nights. But most shows that you see now are getting seven, six, five. The, the, the rare air is to break that double figure, that 10, 11, 12, 13 million views. Well, Yellowstone's had 17, 18, highest 20 million for the last several years. If you haven't seen it, it's a really fun show. It's somewhere between Sopranos on the ranch. Is it, is it uh, you know, can, uh, uh, Succession on a ranch? It, it kind of fits both bills. I mean, first season, you'll be like, am I rooting for Kevin Costner or is he the bad guy? Or is this just an entire show of rogues and antiheroes? And that's kind of what it is. A little bit of dynasty on the ranch too. I mean, these people are wealthy. They're rich. But they're, you know, cowboys, they're ranchers and there's violence, there's, there's guns, there's rifles, there's knives, there's wolves, there's bears, there's wildlife. It's, it's a blast. We love it. We watch it religiously. Kevin Costner on the last award cycle, you know, opined that we haven't won anything. We have won the hearts and minds of the public, but they don't give us any awards, which then reminds me of a show that was blowing everything up. 10 years ago, especially those, again, remember those early seasons of AMC's The Walking Dead. I say AMC because, again, like the Paramount Network, while Mad Men and Breaking Bad were uh, acclaimed, the numbers went to Walking Dead. The numbers went to Walking Dead. 20 million, I mean, some giant, ridiculous amount of eyeballs that led to Walking Dead becoming, you know, multiple spinoffs. I mean, I didn't watch the, like, Kids on the bus, Walking Dead spinoff, the little kids, the the you know the kids of the Walking Dead, whatever it was called. But you know, I I don't know. You could tell me right now that there was a show called Return of the Walking Dead, Rise of the Walking Dead. It doesn't matter. It the Walking Dead was a juggernaut, and and if they won an award, please let me know. And I mean like the 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 big heralded kind, the Emmys. Okay, if they won an Emmy award, that the, the the prestigious uh you know accolade for television entertainment i'm not aware of it i'm not aware of anybody in any of their categories and it just felt like well the show is popular and it gets all this eyeballs and if you don't think that there's some resentment that builds in there is why isn't my show doing that why isn't my brilliant show about lawyers brilliant show about policemen the brilliant show about drug dealers brilliant show about bikers why isn't that getting this there is resentment the voters withhold someday someday in the near future when when i am uh no longer uh you know restricted by my whatever loyalties or obligations i will speak even you know even even truer i guess i guess you have to hang around to get the even realer rob observations or or we'll call it rob observations gets real rob observations rob you know it's like that real world uh when people stop being nice and start being real uh yeah the real rob observations will be a kick we're we're, <laughs> we're maybe a decade out from that but if you think that i have uh peel back the curtain i only peel back the curtain to reveal the other curtain and the other curtain is where Oh, hold on to your hats for that one. But I'm, I'm hinting at some of that right now because I have multiple, multiple stories of even the comic book awards. And no, this has nothing to do with me, not anything of mine. But I know of comic book awards and, and, and books that my friends have done 
I have multiple accounts of people on committees going, no, 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 you know, don't, don't be giving votes to this book. We want to spread the love out. Okay. Behind closed doors, what we've been learning sidebar, what we've been learning and what I've been aware, and I'm kind of sad about it over the last decade is we are losing control of the messaging. We don't get the news anymore. We get people's agendas. Now, whether you're on the right or the left, it applies to both. Boom. You know, there's an equivalence here. It's equal. You're not getting the news. You're getting agendas. You're getting messaging. You're getting sold. There was a, a news item on social media on a very, what I would call family friendly network reporting show. And I watched it. Then I asked my family, hey, just do me a favor, watch this and tell me what you think. And like, oh yeah, no, that was absolutely skewed to only highlight the negative aspects of something that we all enjoy quite a bit. We are getting fed messaging all the time. And that that is happening behind the scenes. And you're getting the first glance and awareness and you're getting acceptance of it. You're realizing, holy crap, this both uh, sides, or maybe there's three sides, maybe there's four sides. And I'm not talking about the truth. I'm talking about the messengers, the people who want to affect you. Well, that happens in comics as well. There are people who go, no, 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 no. We are not going to reward this once again. What was I doing with Adam Sandler movies when I showed up every weekend on opening weekend and gave him my first dollars? I was rewarding him for entertaining me. I, because, and then I, I anticipated that because I liked Mr. Deeds, I would really like The Longest Yard. So I rewarded him. And then, and yes, of course, The Longest Yard was a remake of a movie that I saw as a kid with Burt Reynolds. But anyway, Mr. Deeds, Longest Yard, Click, Zohan, uh, Grown Ups, uh, I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, uh, uh, you know, Anger Management. I would show up first day for all of them because I just knew Adam Sandler would make me laugh. He'd do some weird bit because he's weird. He's a weird guy. He's got some weird bends. Uh, of humor and I showed up I rewarded him I reward Yellowstone with my eyeballs on at eight o'clock pacific time that's when we reserve to watch it and it has not fallen uh you know past Taylor Sheridan who is the great uh you know showrunner writer producer first first season directed most of those episodes as well guys uber talented he's got the Taylor Sheridan universe that's taking over and do you not think that there are people who resent him I read in Vanity Fair, GQ, the guy's got, you know, 200 plus million dollar production deal. Well, someone who doesn't have that is going, that should be mine. Trust me, it happens. I've seen it. Um, again, I have been told in comic books before by other people who, who do not have success resembling the ones that I have, the success that I have been fortunate to have. I have been told, you have the career I should have had. And I, to which I just look the other way, not going to argue it. I, I have the career that I deserve and made for myself. I put in the work, I put in the hours, I made, I made the pages, I made the comics, and they connected. And sometimes that connection is too strong for other people who think, wait, why isn't my connection stronger? Again, I give you Yellowstone, which is multiple seasons, no critical acclaim, and yet on a, let's be honest, Paramount Network is not a well-known cable network either. It was semi-discovered by Yellowstone, just like Walking Dead put AMC on the map, did, did, did Mad Men and Breaking Bad tee it up, cue it up, get it ready for all the love? It did. They did. Walking Dead made it blockbuster status. You know, there weren't seven Mad Men spinoffs, okay? Uh, but, but Walking Dead, boom. Yellowstone, we're already, I mean, I'm, I've got a Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren prequel to Yellowstone coming. One of the biggest movie stars in the history of film, certainly of my life, of my youth and my adult life, Harrison Ford with acclaimed British actress, Helen Mirren, are, are doing a Taylor Sheridan prequel to Yellowstone. It comes out in a couple weeks. Maybe it comes out in a week as, as I'm recording this. And uh, that is the draw of, again, go back to Adam Sandler. You got to be in this. You got to be in this. Well, Harrison Ford, why should I read this? Because Taylor Sheridan connects with audiences and this is going to have 20 million people watching you every single week. Harrison, Helen, I mean, big deal. Timothy Dalton too. I mean, can you believe that? Harrison Ford, Timothy Dalton, Helen Mirren, crazy cast because Taylor Sheridan is where the eyeballs are at. Comic books, I don't care. I, I do not care, have never cared. 
uh, about critical acclaim. I'm going to give you one last example in regards to comic books and critical acclaim and the ones that you love. Were they ever? Were they ever critically acclaimed? Was Amazing Spider-Man by Todd? Was X-Force by me? Was X-Men by Jim Lee? Were they critically acclaimed? Did they win an award? Because I'll tell you, I did have a book that uh, won awards. I'm going to tell you right now. I was smart enough to get in business with Mr. Alan Moore. Mr. Uh, hello. Hello. <clears throat> hello, Rob. It's Alan. I, I would like to do Supreme. Uh, Mr. Alan Moore did a two and a half year run on Supreme. After the first year, it won all of these British Eagle Awards. The most, you know, the, the, the most acclaimed uh, awards that you can give comics. As a matter of fact, at one point in the late 70s, the John Byrne, Chris Claremont, uh, X-Men run did have an Eagle Award, Eagle Award winner on the cover. And I'm like, what's an Eagle Award? As a kid, I'm like, I'm buying this with or without the Eagle Award. Well, Supreme won the Eagle Awards, best writer, best series. We won two. We, we, we really found some love over there in those uh, British Eagle Awards. So my editor said, can we put this on the cover? I'm like, sure, let's be like the X-Men. Let's put it on the cover. Did we see one single uptick in sale? Let me break the iceberg here and, and, and just shoot straight with you. We did not. We did not sell one extra. Solicitations came in for the next month. And in fact, our sales were going down on Supreme. Did the critical acclaim set it apart? It did not. Maybe it makes everybody in the comic store feel better. But I t- I'm, I'm telling you now, somebody put up, uh, I think it was in Facebook, one of my peers put up about six months ago, would you rather have critical acclaim or would you rather have sales? D- did I even hesitate? Sales, sales, sales. Again, if you can put butts in the seats, if you can have people opening the door to the store, do you want to know why I've had the career that I've had? Because I have never lost the connection. I'm, going to, I'm speaking now, thanking you as the fan and also kind of acknowledging that the haters are super frustrated because t- today sometime I will get on social media and I will read something about Rob Liefeld and how he, uh, how the hell does he still have a career? Let me answer that. I have a career because I connect with the audience. There, there's the, there's the answer. Maybe you don't like the way I interpret human beings. Maybe you don't like my style of drawing, my faces, my furrowed brow, my gritted teeth, my extra rendering, my, my musculature, whatever. I connect with an audience. That's all you need. Connect with your audience. Know exactly what they want. Jack Kirby knew exactly what his audience wanted, especially when he found his strength in the 70s. He used his powers to start new universes that no one had ever heard of. No one had ever heard of Orion and Lightyear. Uh, and and uh, I'm sorry, uh, 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 Orion and Big Barda and Mr. Miracle and Darkseed. Uh, they hadn't heard of M- Mark Moonrider and Big Bear uh, and Light Ray. They, they hadn't heard of any of these characters. They, didn't, they hadn't heard of Devil Dinosaur. They hadn't heard of Machine Man. I know that's a spinoff of 2001. I'm aware. They hadn't heard of the Eternals. They hadn't heard of many of the new characters that he had running through his Captain America and his Jack, his, uh, Jack Kirby written and illustrated Black Panther uh, series in 1977. But people showed up. They bought them. They loved them. He understood the power of the splash page, the double, the double page splash page, the big cliffhanger, the unrelenting action sequences that you go, I, I, I got to see these guys hit each other again. I got to go back six pages. I got to look at it again. I got to go back. I got to look at it again. Come on, you know, you've done it. I've done it too. So there's my thoughts brought about by Adam Sandler, recognizing that he had to stop, he had to stop reading the reviews because, uh, you know, they were mean and it didn't reflect the audience interest in them. but. Sometimes that one person wants to get to you. They want you to, they want you to, uh, to, to hear that they got to land a blow. On social media, it took me a long time. I was disciplined by my children who's like, Dad, why are you responding to these people? And one critical, um, one reviewer that I like a, a great deal had said to me also, Rob, you're replying to people with very little reach, but you're giving them an expanded boost when you interact with them. It took me a while because I like to dunk on people. I like to get the last word in, but then you realize you're never getting the last word in on social media, so don't even try. And so I don't. And But I'm aware, you want to land a blow, that's fine. You want to you know, uh, share with me that critical acclaim is it has evaded me, I'm aware, and it does not affect the way I touch my page. I do not 
Today I will draw some pages. At no point will I try to impress a critic. I will try and entertain the audience. That is what I will try and do. And that is what the guys and ladies and gentlemen who have entertained me my entire career have done. That is what Robert Kirkman knows how to do. Mark Miller knows how to do. John Byrne used to do it regularly. Frank Miller, Walt Simonson, Jim Starlin, Howard Shank, and all of the greats, all of the greats that I mentioned. Mark Silvestri. There's a comic book. It's coming out Tuesday. It's, it's, it's the next chapter in Mark Silvestri's Batman. I'll be first in line to get it because I cannot even believe this book is slightly underordered, but it was almost sold out the first day when I went to get it. The first day, okay? I don't need that to be critically acclaimed. What I need is to see Mark's movement, drawings, illustrations, settings, uh, emotion, uh, what, he, what he excels at, which is drawing beautiful pictures and conflicts. The, the last thing, the only, uh, I, I see like great thing about a critical acclaim is you can use it to market. You, in today's world, you can, you can grab it and make a blurb out of it. If someone says, hey, one of the greatest things to come out of IDW was Rob Liefeld Snake Eyes. I'll take it. I'll put it on my story. I'll, I'll, I'll put it on Twitter. I'll, I'll promote it 100%. Why not? It's, it's promotion. But, you know, as I said with Al, Al, um, Alan Moore Super, Supreme, <laughs> Alan Moore Supreme and all those Eagle Awards, we put them on the cover. We let you know that people acclaimed, but it didn't stop uh, the sales slide that the book was, consi- was, was in. And it certainly, on, obviously, on the flip, did not add any new eyeballs. So that's that's it for critical acclaim. I'm going to pivot to part two of today's Rob observations episode. As I am wondering if this if this is kind of all we have to say about all the rest that we have to say because the year is ticking down. The holidays are almost here. I went to uh, a comic store. This is pivoting to comic stores. This last bit is in service of and my love for comic stores. I went to a comic store two weeks ago. I had been frequenting this one because one of my wife, our, our, one of our favorite restaurants opened a new location. And this has now put us closer to a comic store. I wasn't frequenting all that time, but I really like it. I like the people. I got to know them better during the pandemic. And uh, I walked in and I was the only person there. It was a Tuesday. It was about six o'clock PM. And this all happened within about 20 seconds. What I'm, I'm going to share with you. I walked in. I saw the back wall. On the back wall was four, maybe five, but it was four at least. Uncanny X-Men from the John Byrne run that I love so much. They were mylar up. They were not slab, but I could tell they were nice grades. I looked, I said, I'll take all four. Could I take them? I frequent comic stores in this area and they know that that is um, my candy. That is what I buy. I buy John Byrne's Uncanny X-Men. Uh, I can't have enough of it. I love rebuying the singles. I love having them. I love you know, really uh, giving more depth to my collection. And they had, again, four to five of them. And I said, I'll take them all. I didn't blink. I didn't ask for the pricing. I just wanted them. The guy said, oh my gosh, are you serious? This is, this is the, the clerk. And I said, yes, I'm dead serious. I'll, I'll take them all. He said, y- y- you made our, our day. You, you, you may be making our week. Okay, now... I'm in panic mode. What is going on here? Like, that's not good news. And he said, uh, been a rough couple of months, Mr. Liefeld. Not a lot of people are, are coming in and getting their books. People aren't picking up their polls. Um, you know, we've had to cut sales, cut staff. He said, look, I, I had to send my workers home today, uh, middle of the afternoon, because everyone was just standing around and we don't need them. Like, like many comic stores, this comic store has lessened their hours. They're not open. Uh, seven days a week anymore they're they're closed one day which hey whatever it takes right but what happened was right after he told me that i went into overdrive and i said what else can i buy i bought some more trade paperbacks i bought some more comic books i bought some toys Uh, i probably quadrupled the amount of money that i was going to spend in that store because i understood exactly what this store manager didn't own the store but store manager was telling me and it was hey man this great place that we've got that carries everything you love, back issues, old toys, new toys, posters, trade paperbacks, graphic novels, omnibuses, you know, where we have to order and, and kind of guess what's going to have appeal each week. Because right now we're in a weird place in comics, man. There's, there's 
Ask your retailer if there's a hot book. They'll tell you no. That's what's what I've been told for the last three months. Hot book not being like something you should collect, but a book that has captured the imagination of readers that has them coming in regularly, that has them, uh, again, let's be clear what I'm speaking of. Do not distort what I'm saying to you. A hot book that drives traffic. People are coming in. They need to have it. Retailers love those books. Uh, again, there was an age that this happened quite frequently, but but I think we're in a reset right now. I've, I've got my opinions. I've looked at a lot of the different books from all the major publishers. Uh, I don't have to be active right now to have been a 37-year veteran of this business and have my opinions about why things work and why they don't. But we are in a place right now where traffic at these stores is low. Whatever habits were created as a result of the pandemic, whatever is going on with the economy, all these factors are hitting at the same time. It's not just one thing. It's, it, it, it's not just that there's not one big comic but there's also the one thing that is helping a great deal is people want to relive uh, their past. They want to buy old issues. They want to buy new collections of old stuff they loved. That's what I do. That's why Marvel and DC and Image are constantly reissuing new editions uh, of sold out collected works because they know that there's a new fan born every minute turned on uh, to, to this stuff and they need to have it in your in your hands. That's why facsimile editions are still the rage because they can go back to press four times in five years on the same comic from 30 years ago and you're going to buy it because you dig it. It makes you happy. And maybe a new edition of it is what's going to give you that big smile that day. But regardless, I spent a giant amount of money at, at, at this store in an attempt to give back to them and to reward them for being there for me. And, and the bottom line is comic stores are in danger right now. I really believe that. Rent is not cheap. Overhead is not cheap. Electricity. The comic stores in my area are closing. Now, some are just terribly managed, and, and, and that I'm not going to speak to. I think there are great stores that are being underserved. That's what I'm focusing on. There's some really good stores that are underserved. And if you want to go to an existence where all you're getting is the mail delivering your comic books from fulfillment houses, well, then by all means, don't go and support your local comic store. But it's December. Use them to buy gifts, buy collections. Um, I, I love buying gifts, comic book themed gifts for my family. Action figures, pops, trade paperbacks, omnibuses. Those are the staples of my gift giving each and every year to my nephews uh, and to my, my children. And to myself, to myself, I must not leave out myself. I also give myself the most very bitching gifts, okay? Your comic store, remember those great memories you had. The first comic store I ever got, everything had to be accessed on, on a bike from 13 to 16. So for three years, on Saturdays, I would block out four hours to ride to uh, the comic stores. I mean, I'm living near above Disneyland in that area just to give you kind of a regional understanding. I mean, Disneyland is technically 20 minutes from me, but it gives you a region, like I said, to focus on. There was a store in Fountain Valley that I had heard of called Land of Oz and Oz, the Land of Oz and Oz. And what he was doing differently than everybody was he was flying guests in re regularly. He had Mike Zeck and John Beatty when Secret Wars was coming out. He had George Perez at the height of the Teen Titans. He had Dave Cockrum during the X-Men. He had Chris Claremont. I absolutely 100% made it my uh, you know, destiny to get to those stores, especially during those signings. I would get on my Land Cruiser or my my 10-speed, whichever bike that I was, you know, frequenting at the time. And for me, that is like riding from Disneyland to the beach, to Huntington Beach, because he was, Land, Land of Uzanaz was at the tippy, tippy tip of Fountain Valley as it meant Huntington Beach. And once you got to Land of Uzanaz in Fountain Valley on Brookhurst, you were just a couple blocks from from hitting the sand and the and the surf. Of, of, of the Southern California beach scene in Huntington and the pier. So that was a giant, I, I, I'm doing that bike ride uh, probably in an hour with traffic, with lights. And so each way is two hours. I would build in time to stop and get a burger or some food. And obviously I'd, I'd want to spend an hour at the store. So three to four hours is what I would block out. And those are some of the richest, most rewarding memories that I have in the history of my comic book collecting. In, 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 uh, in Garden Grove, it was Fantasy Illustrated. 
In Fullerton, it was comic mania. It was comic castle. It was Adventureland. So much of my youth was tied up in those stores, Saturdays. The Fullerton stores were about 25-minute bike rides each way, 30 minutes. Again, I'm blocking out two to three hours because I'm going to stay in the comic store for an hour. I'm going to then get something to eat on the way home. So the commute is one thing. The visit is the other. And then, I, I, you know, I got my lunch. I built it all in. It, those were my really fun 13 to 16-year-old memories of me biking and discovering. And I bought the entire Paul Smith, you know, X-Men run at a comic book store. I bought the, the, the second Dave Cockrum run at a comic book store. I bought the majority of George Perez's Titans at comic book stores. I, you know, bought Camelot 3000, The Watchmen, Dark Knight. Uh, all at comic book stores. You guys know that eventually I became a clerk for a year at Tustin Tunes and Toys in Tustin. I rang you up for your comics. Maybe you saw me there. I drew a on a backing board a drawing of a comic I was enjoying called Boris the Bear. I did that on the stool sitting in front of the cash register in my little uh, area to ring, ring comics up uh, on a very dull Thursday afternoon following the Wednesday that the Boris the Bear comics came in. I put it in a mailer. I mailed it to Dark Horse. Lo and behold, without being like given any heads up or advance, I think it was issue eight or nine of Boris the Bear, they printed my backing board drawing. The, the original of that drawing is on a backing board. I believe Dark Horse still has it. Somebody has it. I don't have it. It wasn't returned to me, but that doesn't matter. It, the, the, these are the things that happen to me at comic book stores. Obviously, I've never stopped going to comic book stores, but again, Fantasy Illustrated, Comic Castle, Adventureland, uh, comic mania. Uh, uh, these are the stores that I spent formative teenage years, land of Uzanaz. If there was a comic book store in Orange County and I could access it, I did. And those are amazing, great memories. Those are Saturday afternoons. Those, I mean, those are hundreds of Saturday afternoons. And, you know, when I got a car, I could start picking up comics on Wednesdays when they came out. I'm sorry, Fridays, Friday afternoons when they came out. Then when we had Extreme Studios, you know, we started piling into the car and all going to a, a store called Comics Unlimited or Mile High Comics because they relocated and Mile High Comics had two different locations out in Anaheim, California. And we had giant signings. And, and if I've been to your store and I've, I've had a signing and this, this last year, I went to Bad Rock, Bedrock City in Houston, California. It was a six hour signing. I, I'm telling you, it was 600 plus people. They got a signed item. They got whatever they wanted. I stood there with my uh, compadre, Dave, on our feet. And we, uh, the, the owner said, are you going to be able to get to everybody? I said, I will not leave until everyone has been satisfied. Every customer has been met and satisfied. And we did. And then two days later, we were in San Antonio. And then I was heading to Dallas. And things kind of went awry. And I uh, had to cut the tour short. But we went back. We went back later. About a month later, I went to Austin. We went to North Carolina. I did some great Florida signings two summer two years ago. I remember the comic store signings more clearly than I do the conventions because they're intimate. But as a fan, that is where the sense of wonder occurred. That's where I discovered Brian Boland. That's where I discovered Steve Bissett. That's where I discovered Bill Sienkiewicz. There are so many names and talents. It's where I discovered Todd McFarlane. It's it's. It's, uh, it's, it's just portfolios, calendars, posters. Your comic store is your fulfillment house and is where your imagination get, gets carried away and where so much of what I always talk about at the end of every episode about how you have to feed your spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical self. So much of that happens for me at a comic book store. Am I trying to tell you to get to your comic store as fast as you can and, and, and spread, some dough, sp- spread some dough around, spend some money? reward your comic store for being there i am absolutely encourage you to get to a comic store buy your gifts uh support them we don't want them to disappear we don't want to have another end of the 90s wipeout of stores that can't pay their bills because there's no customer base now many of your stores are able to access online sales which is what's keeping them going but there is nothing like warm bodies coming through the door and buying uh, again, comic books, back issues, trade paperbacks, hardcovers, omnibuses, toys. Uh, every comic book store in Orange County, I'm rooting for you. Whether I even like you or not, I want you to stay in business. And uh, in your area, New York, 
here's how I view it. Every comic book store is a mom and pop operation. You can say, well, this one store is a corporation. They have six stores. They're still a mom and pop operation. Comic book stores aren't drug stores. They don't have things you need. They don't have food and medicine, okay, and, 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 and stuff you need to comb your hair and brush your teeth and deodorant so you don't stink. Th- those are needs. The business of needs, just like we saw in the pandemic, is going to do well. You got to eat. You got to be clean. Comic stores, there are indulgence. Think about how much they've rewarded you. Think about the great adventures, the people you've met, the friends you made. I made friends. I made friends, lifelong friendships at comic book stores. So this is my plea to you to support your local comic book store from now going into 2023. They need it now than ever more. There aren't titles that are doing big numbers that drive traffic. And maybe you've lost your interest. Maybe the pandemic, you went to only online sales. They would love to see you. They would love for you to frequent their their door again and see you. And they, I'm, I guarantee you, they have a comic book you dig. And, and those clerks, many of them are well-versed. They've read. Um, I'll ask, what's, what's new from Image? What's new you know, from Boom? What's new from Marvel? What's new from DC? Which Batman of the 18 Batman books should I be buying? Okay. Uh, what's going on uh, in the X-Men? Is, is, is there a book that has more Wolverine than not? Is, is there a book Adam Kubert is drawing? You know, they know. They'll give you. Has there been a collection? Hey, the other day I walked in. I wanted to get the Keanu Reeves Berserkers. I stopped buying uh, regularly after a few issues. This is after that trip where I, again, wall books, omnibuses. I bought, I bought an omnibus. I did. I bought the Doctor Doom omnibus. That day that they're like, we're hurting. I bought the back wall books. I bought new comic books. I bought action figures, toys. I bought a couple trade paperbacks. I just wanted that bill to be as high as I could because I just felt they're sending employees home. They are a great comic store. This is a kick-ass comic store in a major location. And, and, and this comic store, this model of this comic store exists wherever you live. Wherever you live, in Montana, in Illinois, in Wisconsin, in Chicago, in Texas, in California, Northern California, Southern California, in New York City. The New York City stores need your help. They have high, high, high rents, big overhead. They may have the sexy brand names because they're the stores that get the most attention, but they still need you to frequent them and buy comics and buy trade paperbacks and buy omnibuses and buy hardcovers. Please, please do what you can to get in there. And get those. Oh, I was, what I was going to finish up and say is I asked for the Berserkers collection. Are there trade paperbacks? They said there are two. I said, I'll take them. And so I went out buying both of the Keanu Reeves Berserkers trade paperbacks. Uh, this is just in the last week. And so I'm committed right now to support my comic store, to, con- to, to support my local comic vendor. You don't want to live in a world that they don't exist. You do not want to live in a world where your comic book store is not open and your comic book store doesn't have the clubhouse that you can easily access. That is a privilege, but again, we have to reward it. We have to reward it just like we reward the stuff with the biggest um, eyeballs because it entertains us the most. That's why we watch Yellowstone um, to see the action and the gunfights and the, and the beautiful shots of the range and the horses and the wolves and Kevin Costner putting the beat down on everybody. That's why we, we, we watch Adam Sandler movies or we did for 12 years because he was so damn funny. And he, and, he, and, he, and he always showed up. He never rested on his laurels. He's like, I'm, I'm going to do Jack Nicholson next time. Okay, I'm going I'm to get Kate Beckinsdale and, and, and Christopher Walken next time. You know, he didn't rest on his laurels. Go to your comic store, relive some of those great memories, buy some collected editions. I guarantee you they've got something there that you will dig. And my encouragement ends now. I am just, I have tried to really lean in to get you to go to a comic store. Go to, physically go to a store. If, you, if you're going to buy online, great. No one's asking you not to support them online because you're like, Lightfield, $5 is $5, $10. You're right. Absolutely. 100%. I'm just telling you, there's nothing like warm bodies coming through the door, buying in person on the spot. So please, everybody, the comic stores are so, are, are where so many, of our dreams have happened and our imaginations have been tickled and 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 it's comfort food that you don't want to miss out on so absolutely please support your local comic book retailer because they've been you that they have been there for you for so very long and it's now it's 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 time for us to be there for them
So, so I guess uh, if the people way up high in the cheap seats uh, didn't hear me, support your local comic store. That that is the uh, that that is the key, especially this holiday season. I mean, I, I just spent I know sixteen minutes ranting about it, but I really feel passionately about this. Uh, wrapping wrapping this episode up, going back to the beginning about critics and Adam Sandler specifically, I want to share what he said is uh, when I was seventeen years old and I got into this, I didn't even think about critics. I didn't even realize that, that, that this stuff was writing. I mean, that this stuff was coming. I didn't even realize this stuff was coming, he says, about, about the reviews. He said, I just thought you made movies and, and, and people went out to see them. Fill in books, television, music, comic books in that sentence, okay? Uh, he then said, you know, Billy Madison came out and, and they were saying that, that my, my work is garbage. They said, this is garbage. <laughs> He says, uh, the critical bashing of Billy Madison stung Sandler because he knew that his mom was reading this. And so they decided to stop reading critics entirely. I mean, that's, that's early on in his career because he understood he was getting the audience. If you're an artist, you're going to have to deal with the full spectrum. People who like you and people who don't like you. I've said it before. I can't find anybody that everybody likes. You think that the person that you love the most is a sacred cow. There are no sacred cows. Everybody somewhere doesn't like your favorite. Excuse me. There is someone, someone, somewhere. There are actually lots of someones somewhere that don't like your favorite, whoever that is. And you deal with it. I've always said it's sports. I did an entire podcast about how I deal with the haters. I think that's the name of the podcast. You should check it out. But reading this, this is timely. Sandler just gave this interview. Obviously, I think he's a cool guy talented, funny, deliberate, made his, he, you, you want to talk about a guy who had a style and wouldn't waver from it. He, he jumps outside of it again, occasionally on uncut gems and on, uh, you know, some other projects, select projects, but he deliberately has a comedic style that he calls his own that he pursues. And Taylor Sheridan on Yellowstone has a deliberate style. You can tell a Taylor Sheridan written anything, whether it's hell or high water, whether it's, uh, whether it's Yellowstone 19, 23, 18, 83, Tulsa King, uh, you know, it, the, the guy, all of his other myriad accomplishments. Sicario, he, he wrote Sicario. He has a flavor. You either dig it or you don't. Currently, people are digging it a whole lot. So that brings us to the end of not just another episode, but another season, a year. This is our last episode of this year. And I cannot even begin to thank you all for listening as uh, intently as you do and, and sharing. And uh, man, it just, it just warms my heart that the, that the show has found an audience and that you have enjoyed the, the different the, the different stories that I share. Because that's what I'm doing. I'm just telling you stories. I'm telling you stories as a fan what my fan eyes saw, what my professional eyes saw, and I'm blending it all together. Occasionally, we weigh, on in, some, we weigh in on something that's, that's you know, uh, of interest or important, um, but I uh, just can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And, and the comments that you guys give me through my whatnot live streams on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, I'm not going to lie to you. It keeps me going. I've wanted to uh, hang this up more than a couple times, but I've developed this relationship with you guys and gals, this audience, and uh, there is so much more to pick through, but I need some time to uh, prepare for the next session, and they, it's going to come. It's going to come. Uh, we're going to be here early in 2023. Now, if something earth-shattering happens, if, uh, I mean, all manner of different events could bring me back to the mic before 2023, so so. But on our regularly scheduled, you know, plan, this is our last show. And I thank you so much. When you guys leave ratings for me, I share them. Uh, ratings, reviews, you're very generous. I, I read them on the air at the end of every show. And this slot, you guys have come to know it. It's the review slot. You guys go to Apple. You go to wherever you leave reviews. You leave them. They find me. I, I, they, they, there's all sorts of ways that they reach me. Today, I'm going to read one from Mary Ann Epigeny. She said, best, best podcast, five stars, best podcast. Marianne, thank you. It's very quick. It's very brief. Superhero podcast, amazing show. Just wow. Amazing episodes, great stories, great 
all-around wonderful podcast, brand new fan. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you so much. I, I just, again, uh, have enjoyed just popping through all of these different decades. While I'm gone, look through the catalog if you haven't already. I probably covered a subject that you'll like a couple of times. And I, I just encourage you, thank you for taking this ride with me. I will be back uh, early in uh, 2023. Here's here's the deal. Uh, I'm not leaving social media. I'm on Twitter at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. Robert Liefeld is my Twitter handle. I'm on there all the time. I read your comments, your mentions. We, we talk back and forth. It's fun. Thank you for reaching out to me. Um, the blue check is still... Still a verification of sorts. That's what I have next to my name. So you know that you're really talking to me on Instagram. My um, diary of whatever I am doing at the minute, my photo log is uh, I'm I'm Rob Liefeld, just at Rob Liefeld over there. Again, blue check. You know, it's me, your mentions, your DMs, your messages, your comments. I read all of them. Thank you for interacting with me as often as you do. Some of you have been finding me on a new app called Whatnot. Whatnot is a state-of-the-art collectible app. It's uh, like this generation's eBay. It's so good. I think eBay is going to start doing one just like it. But Whatnot has a a, a terrific uh, experience with multiple online stores through live streams that you can buy sports apparel. You can buy kicks, uh, tennis shoes, casual wear, Rolex. They're even selling Rolex. Am I on here? selling you Rolex watches? No, but I'm just telling you that's that's the breadth of the variety that you find on whatnot. I'm over there in the comic book Funko Pops toy section. I share with you signed exclusive comic books, um, some older comic books. Uh, 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 most of all, I, I have some sort of involvement with. I wrote it. I drew it. I did a cover on it. Uh, tons of Cable, Domino, X-Force, Deadpool, Funko Pops, toys. Uh, we, we expand even in toys. You, you get some of that image stuff, the profits, the Youngblood toys. I share all of these signed custom. I make custom art for you guys. There's artwork. There's um, odds and ends, stuff I haven't used, some stuff I have used. You, you, you get soup to nuts on this show. I bring it all. Art, comics, toys, Funkos. The, the comics, we have exclusives with whatnot. I have a New Mutants Deadpool exclusive. I have a Spider-Man exclusive. Uh, I have a brigade exclusive. Catch me on whatnot. Sign up. Catch me there. We are doing a few more shows to end the year. I think we're going to go till the middle of December on whatnot. Uh, right now, great for holiday gifts. Hit me up on whatnot at Rob Liefeld. Catch one of my shows generally on a Wednesday or a Saturday. Could be a Friday, but we're generally always around on Wednesdays and then on a weekend show. If you sign up and you follow me, you'll be alerted. Thank you for following me on whatnot. Over on Facebook, I have a group called Rob Liefeld and Extreme Group. Rob Liefeld and Extreme Group is uh, moderated by myself and a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. If you see either of us in that group, clicking you through, you know you've got to the wrong right place. You've got to the absolute right place. There's a group of fans. We talk about comics, art, the stuff that I've been involved with, stuff that I've created, runs that I've done. Um, we have art contests. Uh, uh, you, you, we, we share all about all the different lives that all of these different characters have taken collectibles um toys we share it all over there join us on rob liefeld and extreme group it's lively it's fun it's it's hopping every single day rob liefeld and extreme group on facebook myself or terry will click you through i can't believe we're almost done with 2022 what a crazy year so you're going to go to a comic store you're going to buy some cool shit you're going to you're going to you're going to support your local comic book retailer and uh I, I sure hope you do, and I hope you find something there, and and that it uh, inspires you. It, it 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 speaks to you mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Uh, get get a nice meal on the way there, on the way back. Okay, uh, just take care of yourself. That's the bottom line. Just take care of yourself. Have fun. Spend time with friends. Unplug, unplug, and enjoy something that inspires you. That just takes you away. That escapes. The grind, we're all in the grind. The grind has come for all of us and we have to step out of the grind every so often um, and we have to make sure that's a priority. I hope you're making that a priority. Thank you so much for spending uh, another episode, another season, um, another year. We are headed, we are a few months from capping our, like reaching a third year of this podcast and it happened because of you. It happened because you, the listener, thank you. Um, I will continue to provide new episodes January 2023. We're going to have fun. 
Find me. I'll be here. I'll be at the cul-de-sac. I'll be waiting for you to pull on up because we will most definitely, absolutely, inevitably talk again real soon.